Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Talk To Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. Today, I have a very old friend of mine, someone I haven't seen in years. Linda, how are you going? Really well, right? How are you going? I'm, I'm buzzing right now. I'm so excited that you said yes to this. Um, and I also feel very wrong in saying Linda instead of Auntie Linda. I'm just going to oh, put no, that out can. there. Feel free. No, no, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gents, Linda, he was um, my Bible club teacher back in the day, the same Bible club that I'm um, teaching in right now, which is kind of surreal. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself and what you're doing right now. Okay. Uh, well, I am Linda and I'm married to George, my best friend and soulmate. And I have three beautiful children aged two, four and eight. So life is really uh, busy at the moment during lockdown and all that. Very busy. That's right. Well, we're on holidays now, which is so much fun. Um, yeah, but we've had a very busy period. Uh, beautiful. Well, Linda was, like I said, my Bible club teacher. She was massive impact on a lot of my generation when we were kids. Um, as well as that, she's an author of a book, A Single Pearl. So I've got that here. <laughs> and um, public speaker now, like a lot's happening. Um, so let's get into the book to start off with. I read it on Saturday. Um, it's been, it's been on my shelf for the last 10, 10 years or so. And I finally got a chance to read it. Um, it is spectacular. I really enjoyed it. What got you to write a single poem? Why don't you explain what the book is about? Sure. I, I wrote it for single young ladies, um, to encourage them in their season of singleness to really enjoy that period of life. Um, wait on the Lord, surrender to the Lord. And God put it on my heart because I just wanted to share the things that God had taught me in my single years. And I had been to a pearl factory in Thailand and I'd seen, and I've always loved pearls and I'd seen the process of how a pearl is made in, in an oyster shell. And I thought it was incredible. And that kind of inspired the concept of the pearl that each young lady is like a single pearl in the heart of an oyster. Uh, which God is creating layer by layer for his unique purpose. So I just really wanted to share those things and, and various aspects or challenges that young, young single ladies um, come across, like purity and modesty and those kind of issues too. And you released this 10 years ago and yeah. reading it 10 years later, I can see that it, it's kind of timeless because you don't, you're not really covering topics that aren't useful today. I mean, the two chapters that really hit me were pursuing purity and modesty um, because I think people are kind of scared to talk about those type of things. So I do think every young lady should get a copy of this and read it. Um, what do you think the impact is of covering those topics in a book? I think that it's just important to go back to the word of God. Um, God gives us all the principles that we need to live by, to live a holy life, a consecrated life. And I think it's timeless because God's word never changes. It still speaks today as it did 10 years ago. And we still, we still, um, we have the same issues and challenges today as then. I think it's just for single young women, it's just amplified these days um, because of the confusion in society of the woman, the woman's role in society. And I think it's amplified because of social media. Um, everything is just in your face. Um, I think there's a lot of comparison, a lot of competition and a lot of pressure. 
um, especially the pressure to be beautiful on the outside and to present yourself in the best way possible. So I think, um, yeah, I think those topics are important then and today. Um, and like I mentioned, for instance, in the topic of modesty, it, it starts from the heart. Everything starts from the heart. And it's very important to remember that and to emphasize that purity starts from within. Modesty starts from within. So that's why it's so important to nurture your heart with the word of God so that the beautiful things are flowing out. And then those decisions regarding purity and modesty should just flow from a heart that's right with God. Is there anything you've noticed in the last 10 years of this book that's been, I guess, the biggest impact of it or something that you consider now that you didn't consider back then? I think I didn't realise how quickly the, the time would pass and that now I would see young women who I'd spoken at a conference, which felt like, say, yesterday, given them a book and they've come back now, they've got little girls and they want to pass their book on to their little girls. I think that, that that's incredible. Um, I think that just young ladies need encouragement and support in that time of waiting because it's really hard. And it's hard, particularly as a Christian in our society where everything revolves around engagement and marriage and then children. And, and I think ultimately every young woman dreams of that day of meeting their Prince Charming, you know, and settling down and having a family. And that is a beautiful thing. That's a good thing that we should desire. It's something that God has created and God ordained marriage. So it's a beautiful thing, but in that period of waiting, it's hard. And sometimes as a church or society, we can put pressure on single young people um, asking, so is there anyone? Or <laughs> the yes. question comes up quite a lot and it can be really hard. So I think that um, if there's anything special that came away from there that I maybe hadn't realized at the time, it would be that just the encouragement, just mm -hmm. stick, stick, with um you know the lord and his plan his plan is perfect and you can't improve on perfect 100 because it is it is one of those topics that is sort of rushed straight away you know as, as soon as you're out of high school it's pretty much hey are you engaged yet are you married? like when yeah. who's in your life <laughs> that sort of thing um so there's sort of a stigma around the whole waiting process um in that if you're getting too old especially as a woman yeah. um if you're getting older or you're getting in your later twenties, you know, that's considered a negative thing or it's considered a bad thing. How do you encourage someone who is in those, who is getting into those later 20 years, who's thinking of, oh, you know, I'm missing my chance. I think uh, number one is focusing on your relationship with the Lord um, and getting to a point of surrender where you are relying on him and your relationship with him to fulfill and meet all your needs because if we are living for the future moment where we feel we will be fulfilled and content and happy when we get married, then we will actually be disappointed mm -hmm. when that time comes. Um, because it's not, it's not perfection. There's nothing perfection this perfect this side of heaven. Um, so I think the most important thing is to put God's, um, you know, God in his right place in your life, putting him number one. And as you consume God's word, as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, um, you're just filled with so much joy and contentment that you're not searching for something, even a relationship. And still, again, it's hard. And I think that something else I would say is your single life and your single period is such a precious time in your life. You don't want to waste it away wishing you're in another season. You want to use it to your best ability, using your talents, your gifts to serve the Lord, even in just enjoying your friendships, um, enjoying the flexibility that singleness brings, you know, you, you, it's a time in your life you won't get back where you can spend hours on ministry, for instance. You can spend, um, like I mentioned in the book, late 
night phone calls with your girlfriends and conferences say god willing outside of lockdown and you know there's just so much to enjoy so much that i look back on that i i really enjoyed that time further studies for instance growth i think don't wish it away enjoy it and know that god wants the best thing for you he has a plan a perfect plan for your life and um and that desire to get married is a godly and beautiful desire so god isn't just um kind of teasing you you know with this concept that you may get married or may not in the future he wants to give you your heart's desires so you might as well just wait for his perfect timing because you know he's preparing you but he also may be preparing your future husband um and the time and the place it will come together in his in his perfect will ladies and gents you can buy the book at kurong Am I right yes. in saying that? Um, you can buy the book at Kurong. Trust me, get it for yourself, get it for a family member. It was great. And it's a very easy read. It only took me about an hour or so. Yeah, it's um, short and simple. Yeah. Very short, straight to the point. I think that was the best part about it was how straight to the point it was. There wasn't, um, it didn't divert or anything like that. It was really good. Um, and it made me feel like I was talking to my old Bible club teacher again. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> Do you want to tell us about how you became a Christian before we get into Bible club? Cause I do want to start talking yeah. about that, but take us all the way back. How did you become a Christian? Okay. Um, well, I was raised by mum and dad who were Christians and raised in the church at faith Baptist church. Um, back when pastor Hester um, had founded the church at Croydon park. And um, when I was nine years old, um, my mum led me to the Lord. She, I'll never forget the day and where I was sitting um, she went through the gospel with me. I'd heard it in Sunday school and I, I knew about it, but she went step by step from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden. And I asked Jesus to be my savior and with tears. And I, I remember how much joy I had after accepting him as my savior. And the next day um, I went to school and I was trying to witness to my friend, <laughs> which um, <laughs> just, it's, I could just love to be back there to see what I was saying to her. Um, but um then I basically, basically we grew up in the church um, and when I was 18, I um, got baptized and, um, and I've just enjoyed many opportunities to serve in the church and to grow as a Christian and enjoy my relationship with the Lord. So you're 18 years old, you get okay. baptized, you've had a whole yeah. um, high school period of, you know, you being saved and growing and all that. How did you start getting into ministry um, at yep. that age? It's so clear for me. I remember when pastor, basically straight after my baptism, pastor asked me if I could take on a Bible club class. And I was just like jumping literally for joy. I really wanted to. I had a desire to teach. I looked up to all my Sunday school teachers. I wanted to be a Sunday school teacher. So um, I had that opportunity to teach a Bible club class. And that was just so exciting. It was such a beautiful time in ministry. And it basically rolled into a passion for 20 plus years that I could never turn back. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I was in that first class or not. Because it was the, it was the seven and eight year olds, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of that preteen years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think I was there at that point because I, I think yeah. I joined your class around, it was probably 2006, maybe yeah. 2005. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I only mentioned that, ladies and gents, because as I said, this is one of the major influences of me joining Bible Club all these years later and getting into kids' ministries. When I think about Bible, excuse me, when I think about Bible Club teachers, the first thing I think of is Auntie Linda. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's insane to think that 
this lady was teaching me when I was that age and now I'm in that sort of position and I can't believe they trust me to teach kids after seeing the, um, the impact you had on our generation. Honestly, just you asking me to come on your program, um, just brought back so many memories just to think that I specifically remember, especially when we moved to the community center, when we were building, um, I can specifically remember you in my class. Um, I remember um, how you focused when, when I taught. You were very focused. I'll be completely honest with you. Or later, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you. It was just for the uh, natural confectionery lollies. <laughs> I wanted to collect those as much as possible. And um, I think and I, I, I delivered. <laughs> you definitely did. Back in 06, though, there was one thing that is stuck in my memory was the FBC pageant. I don't know if you remember that. I do. So you put together a, basically a long play for all the Bible club kids to take part in. And yeah. I remember the specific moment when um, we had to have a casting change uh -huh. and you pointed at me in front of the whole <laughs> class and you are like, okay, we're going to get you to play Jesus. <laughs> I was just sitting there like, okay, no worries. I think I was nine at the time. <laughs> wow. How did you deal with that many kids and trying to put a program like that together? Because I look back at that and I look at the kids now and I think, how did she do it? Honestly, I had so much help. What we did, I, I haven't thought of that, that day and that pageant for so many years. But I remember we basically split up all the major scenes of the Bible from, from literally Genesis, as you remember, through to Christ and um, death, burial, resurrection, and through to his return. And what we did was we allocated the scenes um, and there was, a, there was a teacher allocated to each scene. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of help, you know, and, that, and all the guys came on board to help with the lighting and, you know, the women came and helped with the props, even the mothers were helping to sew. So it was a massive, it was literally the whole church was behind it. Um, I put together the script and it was just so much fun. Again, that's another example of the kind of thing that you can do um, in your single years. I remember, I actually do remember I was working at the time and literally was dealing with things in my lunch break before and after work. It, it was intense towards the end, but it was just so rewarding. What, was, that, what was the uh, length of that process? How long was it from inception to? At least, oh, definitely months. I yeah. can't exactly remember, but I do. I know that towards the end, there were so many little details you had to get right in order to, for it to go well. And remember um, that beautiful song and we had the, you know, the cross. Did you come down? Was it was yep. you on the cross yep. that you were carrying the cross down the aisle yep. up to you, the stage. That was amazing. You don't have the video, do you? I don't, but I would love I'm, to see I'm gonna, it. I'm going to send it to you. No way. I've got a copy of it. It's <laughs> on my phone right now, actually. Anytime, oh. I need to, anytime I need to cringe, I just look back at that. <laughs> Um, or audition for a place <laughs> yeah pretty much right um but that like we said is a lot of work it's a big it's a big thing i think i remember us practicing every thursday night for That's months right. on end yes. and um yeah. we were staying there late too so for kids <laughs> i was just sort of like well this is a it's a big thing to get families and everyone committed um into what is the biggest challenge for anyone trying to join a children's ministry, uh, do you think as being that example for kids and also prepping lessons, things like that? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to make sure that your cup is full your, mm -hmm. spiritually. 
Um, you can't be a teacher and um, just kind of go off materials um, and kind of pick up the, the manual or the book that you're teaching from with your children because they can see through that. I think you need to live out the word of God. You need to make sure that you are full so that from that fountain, it's coming out. And I think it's very important that you genuinely love those kids and pray for, pray for the kids. Pray for them specifically, understand what's going on in their lives because the, often they'll share things and um, and that's your responsibility. If, if they open their heart and share something, that's your responsibility to pray for them and to be a blessing and yeah. Um, I suppose not take that responsibility lightly. I think mm -hmm. being an example is critical. You can't just switch on during kids' ministry and switch off. I think that there are some sacrifices you need to make in any leadership position. It's a privilege to be a leader, but it's also a very big responsibility. And I think personally, God allowed me to feel that. I felt that always that there are certain places or things that I can do that I might be completely free and at liberty to do, but for the sake of young people who are looking up to you i'm willing to sacrifice that or I, I ought to be willing to sacrifice that because it is a responsibility so i suppose um it's not to deter anyone or make it sound really hard or to make it sound like i'm just i've arrived in this area i think it's a lifelong thing but i think that's the beautiful thing of the teachers that i knew growing up um that i looked up to so much were such good examples um that that spurred me on to want to be a teacher and to be an example and I think uh, it's something that I constantly say, and I think people get sick of me saying it, but um, anytime someone joins a kid's ministry, I always say that you're a teacher outside of the room before you are inside of the room. Um, because when I look back at my Bible club or epic years, even um, the one thing that I remember are the relationships I had with my teachers and not the lessons they taught. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Personally, I believe the lessons are a byproduct of, the impact that we're having on kids um and that's that's huge to them and that's going to be the thing that lasts in their memory and kids are clever and you're right they remember things mm -hmm. I, I will remember specific lessons it, it amazes me that i can still remember specific lessons on specific topics with my teachers so and they're clever um and i think kids um not the really little ones but a lot of a lot of kids are on social media and they're seeing everything um and i think that um there's no point trying to live separate lives i think um just go all out for the lord um and he'll yeah he will bless that ministry there's a train of thought out there that is christians should not be on social media in general or it's something that we should just steer clear from what do you think about that and if so how do you think a christian ought to navigate the social media world the big one mm -hmm. i think social media is um it's a very personal choice firstly so i think that it's something that each individual needs to make a decision on um i hadn't been on social media till a recent ministry that i started um and i, I came to realize that during this period of lockdown is that there's a golden opportunity to share the gospel and to encourage people who are locked down in their homes not having fellowship not being able to hear you know um from other leaders, you know. Um, so I, I think that social media is just another channel. It's a communication tool. And I think that we need to put boundaries in our lives. So as we know, social media can become a real time waster. I think um, in, in general, in life, we've got emails buzzing, we've got notifications going off and all our, you know, and it's crazy. And I think Satan would love to be able to distract us through all of that 
from what's most important. So we need to really take control of that situation. I think that um, if it's something that's chewing up your time and taking up um, a lot of your life and your focus, I think turning notifications off is a good idea, setting boundaries as to how long you spend on it. Look at the clock because time can go away from you. Um, but I think also I, I heard a report like a, a psychologist, um, some research, and it talked about the difference between consuming and connecting. I think that was very interesting. So it said the impact psychologically of social media on um, women was a lot less when people were using it to connect with others as opposed to consuming. And I think that, like you asked me about the challenges for young women, I think the challenge is that everyone's lives are just plastered on social media. And yeah. the truth is the reels are gorgeous, you know, as, and especially as women, like no one puts an ugly photo of themselves on, on social media. You put your best, your best foot forward, your stunning shots of your best occasion, even mums, your kids are all perfect with their perfect bows. And that's the kind of stuff that's shown. And without realizing it, when we're consuming a lot of that, consuming what you know, uh, is being posted of other people's lives, we start to compare ourselves, we become discontent and we start to be something that we're not or we just overall, it's not very wholesome. So I think be careful if you're just consuming it and then playing in that space as opposed to, you, you can use it to connect to people and to share the gospel and be an example and be a blessing. I think it can be used in the right way, but to be careful, yeah. Yeah, I be think quiet. you're right. I think you're right there because I mean, social, I've always called social, social media an extension of myself as in, I wouldn't, I mean, you're going to look at my social media. You're going to know who I am. Yeah. That sort of thing. It's not going to be one person here and a different person on there. And I think if people start looking at it that way and they realize, hold on, employers are going to look at this when I go in for yeah. a job or, um, you know, I've got to be a testimony, not only in my personal life, but in, my digital life i think yeah. that changes the way we do end up using it sorry did mm -hmm. i lose you there for a second i think no, all good, all Just good. Slight. Yeah. Yeah. um yeah i think if we look at it like an extension it sort of changes the way we look at it in general yeah yes very true yeah so that's honestly the one thing that I thought about when I was reading your book was that's probably the biggest change in society today. Social media was just starting up back then. Yeah. Um, if you had to write another chapter, if you had to write a chapter nine, yeah, what would um what would your advice to young ladies, especially on um social media, be? I would say um, think twice before you post. Mm -hmm. Think about what you are sharing. I think that. You may have a few hundred followers. Um, when you post something, you're not thinking about every single one of those. Often you're just thinking about your immediate circle. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting out there. It's going to stay there. Anyone can save it and keep it. So make sure that it is appropriate. Think about what you're posting and think about in the years to come, uh, the repercussions. As you said, your employers or... Um, and overall, as we said, testimony-wise, um, be no different on social media as how you are in church. Um, and think about, yeah, think about how you present yourself um, in terms of purity and modesty and, um, yeah. I think that's the word to describe it in general. It's just a presentation. Mm. Like you said, there's a lot of thought that goes into every photo that goes up. So it's a presentation of yourself. How do you want to present yourself on there? Mm. Um, but let's move it over to Thrive to Make a Difference. Explain oh. that to me because I don't know too much about it at all. So yeah. give us the full scoop on that. Okay. Um, well, God has been putting this um, concept on my heart 
and gave me a real desire earlier this year to start um, sharing devotions and encouraging women to thrive in their walk with Christ. Um, so that started earlier in the year. Um, and the idea is that as women, we have really complex and busy lives, um, particularly, let's say, now in my season of life as a wife, as a mum, in ministry, in life, there's so much caring for your home, your children, etc. I think sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we can get caught up um, in our daily duties and, and um, chores. And I think that it's really important to take a step back. Mm -hmm. And to ask God, what is your vision and purpose for my life um, in those really busy, chaotic times? And the importance of being intentional in your walk with the Lord. Um, so often we get so busy and anyone in any season of life, you get so busy that you forget to take a step back and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And um, I think that we're really good at work and in business and um yeah, in, in, in our professional lives, we're really good at setting goals, um, you know, in our careers or education, setting goals and being intentional and being proactive and achieving them. And I think what I wanted to do is bring some of that discipline into our own walk with the Lord. Um, so basically thrive, um, thrive to make a difference. The concept is I really want to thrive in my walk with the Lord and be really intentional about living for God, setting goals, how I'm going to live out God's purpose for my life, how I'm going to live out and be the best mom I can be, to be the best wife that I can be, the best sister, the best daughter, the best, all those roles that God has given for me. I want to set some goals and focuses in my life where they're measurable and I've got them in front of me um, and I really want to achieve those by with God's spirit and for his glory you know so the concept is when we thrive as individuals say women when we thrive in Christ then we can really make a difference in our homes in our relationships and I think that as a generation like women have such a unique role like we're raising that next generation so we can have a huge impact if each individual person is desiring to go further for the Lord um, and um, take a step back every now and then and set some goals. So I suppose that's where it's come from. And I just on Instagram at the moment, sharing devotions and um, encouragement, hoping to be an encouragement, sharing scripture um, and also working on my next book. Yeah. Oh, we've got another yeah. one coming up. <laughs> I don't think it's that hush hush anymore. We've got that one. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I think you're a hundred percent right then. I think the biggest thing that I found from um, reading your book and just uh, growing up the, in the church in general is that a lot of women feel like they're in the background or that their role isn't as important as um, the men of the church or things like that when it's completely the opposite. Um, and I think it's so important that women do realize that and realize that there is a massive responsibility that the Lord's placed on their plate and they need to be as prepared as anything else. Um, and whatever the Lord has put on their plate, um, they need to strive to do that with excellence and do that well. Yeah. Um, well, that uh, comes to... Sorry, I've lost my train of thought for a second there. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that that is one of the purposes that do you think that's one of the things that has sort of been pushed to the side as women have grown up within the church do you think that their role has been i guess misappropriated or misunderstood in certain ways i think that just you get married and you have children and you're just so busy and mm -hmm. you just um it can be very overwhelming um and i think 
I think most Christian women know that they have a beautiful role in their homes and they can see their impact. There's a massive impact that you have in your home and in your family. Um, I think it's just that sometimes we're not um, feeling like we can come up for air. Yeah. And I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a retreat or a conference to, to do that. I think that it's in your own walk with the Lord, being strategic, um, coming before him and praying and asking God, Lord, in each of my roles, what would you have me to focus on? And they don't necessarily have to be massive things and they don't necessarily have to be public things, but they're things that you can get victory over in your own personal walk with the Lord that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. um, so something as simple as look, as a mother, as you pray and spend time thinking, well, how can I be um, a better mother for my children as a Christian mother? And God puts on your heart, for instance, at a sermon or in your quiet time that I really want to teach my children scripture. Well, that comes into your heart and then the next day comes and you're doing the laundry and you're cleaning the home and you're hosting people and you're doing all this other stuff, but you, the time's not coming where you can fulfill that you know, where you can implement that. So I suppose that's where the concept of thriving is, okay, capture that now. How are we going to go about doing that? What is your goal? What scripture do you want to um, teach your children? How are you going to go about doing it and then doing it? So I suppose it's just um, the, the unique challenge as a woman is that there's just so much that you have to hold together. Um, <clears throat> but it's important to regularly take a step back and go, Lord, help me to be intentional. Because even in our business, there's a lot of time wasting we yeah. all need it. Yeah. um we, we say we're so busy but there are ways to get back hours in the day if we are redeeming the time and careful about how we spend our time so yeah we're all we're all on a journey but i think um uh, putting some processes in place to to kind of regularly take that time apart can be very very helpful yeah it's all about really getting back to the basics and i think that's something that um has been a theme on this show for the past couple of weeks is remembering how easy Christianity is meant to be. It's reading your Bible, praying and having a relationship with the Lord. I mean, they're the fundamentals of it. Yeah. So if you don't forget that and you just try to build upon that as much as possible, I think the Lord helps you put everything else into place. It's, it's very true. And I think one thing that I've noticed like over the years, if there was ever one character quality that's critical, regardless of whether you're a child, a young person or an adult, I think it's so important to have a teachable spirit. Mm -hmm. I think the people that go far um, with the Lord and for the Lord are those that are teachable, have that, that meekness and humility, but teachable in, in it's, it's not enough to just grow in that knowledge and fill your mind with Bible and even eloquence or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's about obeying, isn't it? And that's the, the age old thing, you know, yeah. trust and obey. If you are obeying and you're in obedience with the Lord, you have that teachable spirit, you can go far with the Lord. And I think that's a, mass, a massive thing that a lot of Christians, I guess, struggle with is um, once they do have a lot of knowledge, it's sort of like, okay, I'm not, I, I know a lot, I don't need to be taught. And once you yeah. lose that teachable spirit, it really affects what's going on and it yeah. really affects your life in a massive way. Well, it's a spiral because at that point where you feel that you can rely on your knowledge, um, I suppose you're missing out on the power of God. And really, you don't want to be serving in vain. Mm. You don't want to be teaching in your own strength or you'll feel it. And I think we know, we know when we're doing it in our own strength, when we're doing it in the power of God. Yep. I think it's amazing what God can do when you allow him um, to speak through you and, and really um, say, Lord, I want to be your channel, your mouthpiece and great things can happen. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, well, let's end this off and let's okay. end this off strong. Every time, every guest has done this, so I'm gonna chuck you into a DeLorean. I'm gonna put you in a time machine and oh. take you back ten years. Okay. Okay. What is the one thing you would tell ten years ago, Linda? Oh, I would say um, life is so short; it's literally fleeting. Enjoy every moment. Um, I just look back at 10 years and I, I just can't believe that my eldest child is eight. And that I remember the day, the day I, I held her in my arms, the day we brought her home, I think I would say it's going to go really fast. Um, enjoy every moment um, because the years will fly. And just enjoy every step, I suppose. Yeah, because I just never imagined. I've, I've, I've had the best 10 years. I wouldn't change anything but I just can't believe where the years have gone. So I now looking at the next 10 years, now thinking about 10 year goals or five year goals, it doesn't feel that far away. Yeah, it sort of yeah. brings it right up there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for jumping on today. I really appreciate it. And you have to make me a promise that you're going to come back on when um, she starts, you know, thriving, pun intended. <laughs> Um, again, uh, where can the people find you online? Um, how can they follow you and get to know the ministries you're a part of? Yeah, uh, Thrive to Make a Difference. Um, Instagram, it's called Thrive to Make a Difference and on Facebook. Um, and yeah, if anyone who wants to reconnect who you know, knew me from back those days, feel free to get my details from Ray and we can have a chat. Okay, done and done. Well, ladies and gents, I'll put those in the description below. So make sure you do follow her. Thank you once again for having the chat. Thanks, Ray. God bless. Appreciate Take care. it. See you guys.